0: Let me ask a question, Arthur. Were you also still with the Board of Education, or has that been terminated by thirty-seven?
1: I don't remember. I don't think so. I think I was my outside activities. You had enough. very plenty of stuff to do. Assignment type. See of... what you have to again Remember. You always have to keep in mind that there are very few photographers. Photography was rather still somewhere between being a plumber and an artist. Mm-hmm. And there were hobbyists, you know, and very good ones, because it was a lot of work. But this whites and for instance, exposure, just making, getting the correct exposure was difficult. You had to have experience, most news photographers for instance, never used an exposure. There wasn't any thing at all. And at that time, in the beginning of the 30s, you began to use justifotes. They were the extinction-type yeah. exposure meters. But the first revolution occurred with the first Western meter, you see, and I think that was probably in the 30s. I should know. I don't know the exact... I think so.
2: Exact. Uh, well,
1: that was a revolution. Because instead of getting depending on a lot of experience you see you could actually go out and measure exposure correctly Mm -hmm. and that was all new And if you look in Ansel Adams You know book how to make a photograph Ansel's great emphasis of beautiful reproductions there uh, That was the beginning of allowing a lot of information that was essentially professional to filter down that publication, yeah, that
2: mm-hmm.
1: was a real uh, very important, and that's what Ansel was mainly known. I mean, you know, he was very widely recognized for sort of rationalizing the process, which is very important in the history
2: of what happened. So, you. Because of this situation, you were enough in demand that you probably probably had gotten rid of that full time. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I was, still, I was roaming around all over the place. Now, let me, let me ask this. this. is I think maybe this was the thing that we were trying to remember. Mm-hmm. Um, you were a student at Wayne in the sociology area primarily mm-hmm. and took some education courses. No, and then I got a teacher certificate I to see in no.
1: order to work at the visual education. Right. I really had a have a certificate.
2: But you were also teaching That's right, I was class. teaching a class of photography when I was still a student. Now, under what division of the university specifically was the Art class? education and the Department of Art Education, the School of Education. Now, my first response, and this is maybe a more of a contemporary response, but was, was there any um, problem administratively in having a student was working on a bachelor's degree teaching a, a course? Did that or just say they, they knew you were qualified and they didn't care or? Yeah no, no problem. Because well, I mean, today certainly that would be a problem. But you, well that's
1: right. Today but you again I re, I refer you back to the fact that there are only eight thousand students in Michigan today they're thirty nine thousand. The degrees have all been deflated. It doesn't mean anything to have a bachelor's degree today. It's ilch. I mean okay. if you get a bachelor's degree from you know places like, well, mainly places like Circle. There's a great deal of difference in getting a bachelor's degree from the University of Illinois, and a great deal of difference of Southern Illinois. We've had students come up from Southern Illinois, and don't know anything. I mean, I don't understand how they graduated high school. that got a, you know, got a, a. Yeah. There were certain rigid requirements to go through school at that point. Everybody took them, there was a agreed course of study. And photography at that point was not in the course of study, that was for sure. Yeah, right. That was, it took great, it was only because these women in particular, and some of the men, the teachers and administrators were interested in and recognize
2: photography's
1: importance to some degree.
2: That's how you got the course. <laughs> yes. Now that it would be a tool for teachers. And that was the. It was a, understood to be a tool for art education teachers. That's right. Was it what we would? Did it include what we would call today audiovisual methods or? No. What What did you actually teach them? How to make art pictures, as it were. Whether it was, you know, landscapes,
1: uh, portraits. It was mainly technical, of course, but the emphasis was not on the technique. See, it was not Dr. Chamberlain's course. Mm-hmm. It was on oh, making pictures uh, and that had some carryover from their other art training.
2: Did you have or them carry too? Yeah. Did you have them making photograms as part of the course? No, that course I
1: started in immediately teaching them how to develop film. The um, I was making photograms, but I don't think I used photograms. That came much later.
2: Yeah, I've seen a photogram dated thirty-seven. Yeah, at the Museum of Modern Art, yeah. and um, so that's why I was interested. Yeah, in.
1: I I made photograms before I went to the New Bauhaus, and that's what I keep saying here. Uh, I didn't directly learn much about photography at the New House. I learned a great deal about art. Mm-hmm. Different thing. It was the attitude of Maholi and Keppish
2: was very sweet, darling man. Well let's talk about how you got there first. Yes. Oh, so I had one
0: a little tiny... Mean, okay, shoot. Were you paid a salary for the course? course or were you given a,
1: a TA uh, type of... Uh... Oh, no, I was given a regular part-time or number of hours thing. No, it was absolutely professional mm-hmm. and that helped me to continue going to school all this time. We were not out of the Depression. I mean, everybody was scrounging around. Yeah. See, the Depression really didn't end in Detroit. Well, it never did end. You yeah. want to know. I think it
0: could accelerate it in Detroit. But by
1: 1939, it began to, you know, the war, we began to supply uh, arms to Britain. And yeah. that marked a very different kind of a thing in Detroit. Chrysler Tank teams. Arsenal, for instance, made a tremendous difference. And let uh, me get into it later, I photographed B-24s, you know, and photographed like the Ford, little Run thing mm-hmm. when they were beginning to stockpile things at one end before the building at the other end was even finished. Mm-hmm. And that, I did that before I went to OWI, Sierra Farm Security. Mm-hmm.
2: OK, well, um...
1: You're, you asked the question of how did I actually get there. Um, I was, you know, at Wayne, friend Welling. And I used to go to any outside lectures that she brought in because I was interested, and particularly somebody about Maholi Nagi, who I'd heard of but never,
2: you know, uh, never mattered never much about, about or anything. Well, no, I did. You, you had you read the no the book that came out no. twenty seven by no. this time. No, but I'd seen his pictures.
1: Um, so Jane, who really taught a magnificent course in origins of modern art, uh, invited Maholi to come, and Maholi, you know, was very eager to proselyte at that point. So he came there, and I enjoyed listening to him. You know, he had this terrible accident, I could barely understand what the hell he was saying. But uh, what he what he showed his images were all a kind of thing that I'd seen little pieces of here and there. Never very consistently See until holy. The kind of thing of Ariel looking down, looking up, but presented as idea, the close-up, the negative print, all the things that are
2: in It's illustrations of what the ideas he was trying to put across uh, in the school, right? Really. Uh, in fact, he
1: used pictures from his books, that slide holy me, and I have his lantern slide box. He gave me that as the tradition passing on the tradition. Um, he used the cord for lantern slides, and so he showed these things, which were a lot of illustrations. But also he showed some pictures, slides made from the first semester of the, uh, well, some of the work already beginning to come out of the new bios.
2: So this would have been in that fall? Yeah. When he had just fall. already started it? Right. After you graduated, but you still were very much in touch with... People like Jane Welling and so on.
1: Oh, I think I was still teaching the course.
2: Ah, you weren't a student any longer, but you were still yeah, teaching a course.
1: I think so. I mean, no. I wouldn't bet on any of this. Would stuff. make sense. May, you know, this is all a long time ago, and so many things were happening to me that uh, some things, you know, are very vivid to me, and other things I mm-hmm. just.
2: Well, I'm going to have to spend an afternoon or a morning at Wayne, and probably can find look for all these different things that to do with Wayne. We can probably. Yeah, well, putting up that yearbook would certainly be something. Yeah, the yearbook, and that was neat.
1: That was super for its time. And uh, I can't remember the the uh, you know superintendent's catalog, but that was absolutely the pioneering. Anyway, um, Molly gave this lecture, and then Jane introduced me to him and suggested that I go see him, show my work. He was staying at the Book ad by Hotel, mm-hmm. so I gathered together a whole batch of my things and went up to show him my pictures. He agreed to look at my pictures. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, I know! I, I'm pretty sure I was teaching because I quit my job. When you went down there,
1: you no, quitting. when after I saw him, he says, "I give you a scholarship." You see, mm-hmm. and then I had to quit this little job at the school in order to go. And I didn't have any money, but I owned an automobile, uh, so I. Well, I carted the secretary of New Balance around to make a couple of bucks, and I but I did have equipment by that time, so I. You could work, even though you never. Well, there wasn't much work, and I was too busy, and I really didn't care about making money. I just no. Wanted yeah. to uh, go to school because, in all told, you see, there were only sixty full-time day school students, and there were some night school students, and it was the most marvelous.
2: group of So students. when you went to see Maholi, uh, at the book Cadillac, Yeah. He says, I gave you a scholarship. How did that happen? What was that like? Did you walk in the door and show him stuff? and yeah. That was his first thing he said? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Not the first thing. I mean, he looked
1: at the pictures,
2: uh-huh. and he was
1: impressed by
2: that. Now, did you go there thinking that you wanted to go to a school? No. You were about, you were 24. I don't should know. You should have been. About 24. So, you just graduated. Did you have any thought about going on in school at all? No. E- either in sociology or anything else?
1: Oh, I had some thoughts.
2: But they were quickly
1: diminished. I mean, I didn't have any money. And uh, in terms of sociology, if I'd stayed in sociology, I would have stayed on. But then, when it seemed there was no, that, that wasn't going to be for me, uh, and I was sort of committed to photography then, there didn't seem any point in going to graduate school. Your photography interests had
0: yeah. surpassed the.
1: Well, it seemed to me to at that time to be a way of life that I could uh, enjoy meeting the world. Already had begun to. Yeah, I mean I was doing time pictures, and it was kind of heady to you know, go in and photograph some famous person or pretty girl or whatever, you know, or something in science. I mean, it appealed to all my interests. You see. I mean, I enjoy science, I enjoy people. Uh, I was much shyer then, incidentally, both in talk and it took a heap of living to make me aggressive enough. And to this day, I'm really not an aggressive. I wouldn't call myself an aggressive man. I've been very self-defeating in not being aggressive. So you can be aggressive while seemingly not. And a person like me can be seemingly aggressive and actually not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Aaron, for instance, is never seems to be pushing. There's not a minute when Aaron is not pushing, you know, and particularly if there's somebody that can help him. And I am not knocking Aaron. I'm just describing differences. Aaron yeah. has worked at it, you know, and so is Harry. And it is a job. I mean, that's, it's part of being what that life entails.
0: It's a salesman yourself. When you came to Chicago, where did you live, and did you live with a group of people
2: that were up in the house?
1: Are we through with the transition period there?
2: Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's a, I guess I'm, I'm. I'm. I'm trying to really imagine what what you must have felt like meeting Maholi and how why you decided to take the scholarship. Maholi was
1: very impressive to me. I enjoyed his lecture very much. He was very excited and very exciting to me, and he represented a whole new uh, world that had to do with people like Leger, Kandinsky, Clay, whereas most of my art contacts, you see, had been rather local, people, good people, Sarkis Sarkeesian, I don't know if you know that, John Carroll, who I photographed was a very good friend of. He was head of the arts and crafts, made dreamy, Misty-Eyed. He was a Southern ride-to-hounds type gentleman, and that was the cause of the big mix-up with U.S. Cameron magazine, where they ran in 38, I guess, uh, Sheeler, uh, Outerbridge, Genstey, and Siegel. Only they used my picture of John Carroll. not
2: Yeah, you yeah. said so could this have been how another, that got mixed up. Could this have been another magazine in U.S. Camera? No. It was U.S. Camera? No. They had a little thing,
1: which I remember was four, four on a page. They didn't do it too long. And uh, it was called Great Photographers or something. Maybe, or uh-huh. like that. Hmm. I had a slide of it. A student found it. And then when I went to the hospital, I really naturally cleaned it off. And I don't know where it is you now. Well, when you go to that, continue on to the next two months because then they apologize, you see, and they run these two pictures. And that is the proof that I was teaching to them because it a photograph of a student took of me with my finger and my nose at them and another picture of me. Anyway, uh, maholing and that represented a whole new exciting thing and I hadn't been away from home for an extended period since Michigan mm-hmm. and uh, I think that kind of appealed to me.
2: Going away from home yeah. as well?
1: and then there was a, I was going with a girl then by the name of Pauline Markowitz, her father was a baker mm-hmm. uh, and she was kind of an artist drawer and uh, We went to Chicago and lived together for about two weeks and then she fell in love with Calvin Albert, the sculptor. <laughs> <laughs> do you know that name? I know the name. I do you see his name in the New York Times ads every once in a while? Calvin's all crumpled up. Uh, well, he was one of the students there. and uh, So Pauline moved out and I was crushed actually for about a month or something. And,
2: um, well, that's how I got to the New Bows. So that answers the question of, did you live with a group of people initially? (laughs) Well,
1: even more on that, uh, people that were around the Bows were very interesting. It was the most exciting group of students I've ever been with, because they were all mixed up. See, half of them had degrees, I would say. A great number of them had degrees already. From someplace, mm-hmm. many of them were already painters and painted for a long time. A French guy, later became an architect. Uh, Carra, and he lived with a gal who was a painter by name Gretchen or something. Uh, they were later married and then later divorced, and they lived on a little in a little house on. Uh, Roosevelt, I think, what is it?
2: Well, it's not important where they really, live. Well,
1: they lived around, every, a lot of people lived around the school, and a few lived down near the university. When Paulie and I first came, it just occurred to me, we took a place, an apartment near the university, but it was too far, we wasted too much time. So then we moved up to, right next to the school of practically, there were some old
2: brownstones. Is she going to the school also? Yeah. And, uh,
1: and um, should I give you a list of all the girlfriends from age five?
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's not necessary. Might be interesting. Just highlight for you, I don't think it's a, well, It's our top priority. priority. No, I, Highlights, I like think. I'm kidding. I've been rather discreet.
1: <laughs> um, well, people lived around there, and what the one the names, kind of names you should remember, are people like Tony Smith. Is that name you mean? Yeah, the sculptor was mm-hmm. there, and Fritz Bulthmann, pa- painter, yeah, and sculptor, now very famous. And this all, I'm giving you these names because other things happened. Ted Van Fossen, guy that became an architect, and uh, oh, girl. Uh, her name was Jane Barton, who's, we remember the advertising firm of Baton Barton and Dur- Durstine and Osborne. Mm-hmm. She was the daughter of Barton, Barton mm-hmm. and she was uh, had an apartment. And then there was Charles Needinghouse. Now the interesting thing, this is quite a mix, because Jane was quite rich, you know, dressed rich. Uh, Charlie Needinghouse's father was, if I remember correctly, Vice President of American Rolling Mills in Pittsburgh very small fe- fellow, very nice. We became, we were quite friendly, Jane and Needinghouse. Needinghouse was later president of NOAA. Tony Smith later became, you know, tremendously famous sculptor. Prince and certainly is famous. Um, and then there are people like Nathan Lerner, who was thought to be the bottom of the pile.
2: That's why I'm always laughing how, how do you mean bottom of the pile, they, what way?
1: Well, Nathan was supposed to be a painter, mm-hmm. and he was a terrible painter, of low
2: imagination. And this was the opinion of the other students. Though. Yeah,
1: he was very.
0: Didn't he come to the I.D. for the purpose of sculpture to study with Archipenko? Archipenko. Archipenko. Uh,
1: if he said so, then he, that's what he came there for. Uh, I think he came there for many reasons. He had been a painter, and he did. A little bit of photography, you know, during the Depression years, uh, it was a place that was fascinating. See, if you had the slightest idea that you wanted to learn something in a very strange, that you took a risk to see what it was all about because it was totally unknown. It changed all of art education
2: in America, just totally,
1: including Wayne University or every
2: college course in the. United States yeah today you find the idea of the foundation program in every go where all the problems are so just dis- sim-
1: you know so uh, di- distributed that nobody knows the origin of those things and a lot of them have turned into art for instance Larry Solomon is having a show now very large uh, panels where you know they're square but something's bent over well that's a problem the paper moving exercise, for, you know, stuck up large. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, then there were there there were a number of girls, you know, women. There was no discrimination. There were no blacks that I recall. I'm sure there were no blacks. Uh, the teachers were, as you can know by looking at the thing, in the main they were arcapenko, who was
2: darling, cute, and nutty. Uh, I studied sculpture with him. And he was still in the faculty when you later came on to it, was he not? Oh, no. No? Oh, no.
0: He was only there for one... Short
2: time. Yeah. No, he was there that
1: semester and then he and Braindick conspired against Maholi. The school broke up and Moholy rehired Braindick and Archipelago, which was interesting. Maholi was a very great paradox. It had a paradoxical qualities. Anyway, there was that group of people with Kepes and his wife. Bradenick didn't speak English, so his wife translated in the workshop. Kepes was hard and difficult to understand. He just spoke Hungarian and German. Darling Sweet and his wife Julia was an illustrator of children's books. Keppish was supposed to have a heart condition, so he never exerted himself very well much. He seems to have survived beautifully. <laughs> yeah. um, it's a good strategy. Right. Um, then there were the three teachers from the University of Chicago, one of whom affected me. There were three teachers were uh, Charles Morris, a semanticist, who was the head of the Unity of Science movement. Mm-hmm. The blue books about semantics. Mm-hmm. And I wrote a thesis for them on the semantics of motion picture, which I'm sorry I don't have a copy of, but that went into what was going to be the future of some motion picture criticism and aesthetics. Then there, were, there was a physicist, and there was a biologist by the name of Gerard, a marvelous guy. They were all tip top. Then there was a guy named Dushkins, later formed the Vermont School of Music. And we all made instruments and played in a group, either recorder or something. And Nathan, if I remember correctly, Nathan made something large like a cello or something. Nathan learned plywood. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's what comes to my mind. Um, the reason, another one of the reasons Nathan was not liked. Do you know what Dickens' word unctuous, mm-hmm. Nathan has always been unctuous and he gave everybody a pain in the ass. Because <laughs> he was unctuous to Maholi, unctuous to Kepesh, and to this day he is. And you'll notice now a coupling between Kepesh and, and uh, Nathan, which is kind of fascinating. And Nathan wanted to teach, you know, later on. When I was hit, I would never have him around. If he didn't do any photography, he doesn't know anything about
2: photography. He never did. Mm-hmm. This is all Alice Adams and Harry Munn's propaganda. Yeah, he and uh, Kepish were... There was an exhibit just going up when I was in L.A. two weeks ago at the G. Ray Hawkins gallery, the two of them...
1: Well, Kepish has a more legitimate right to be considered. Uh, Nathan's thing. what you see are student solutions. Those are all student solutions. And I hardly think that constituted any impact on American photography. You'd have to convince me. Mm.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of uh, as a a aside, it It seems like one of the things that I've found is that there's a lot of uh, eddies and backwaters. There's a lot of people who did things and possibly did them first, but no, no, had no impact. Absolutely. Yeah, because they were isolated and. Who, who themselves, a lot of them don't seem to understand that. Right. They seem to feel like they have some great claim right. just because you they did it in their closet, you know?
0: But that's what Alice did to Nathan, which I think is absolutely pathetic when you sit around and listen to Nathan, who really is on this trip now thinking he's a photographer and he's really now... Well, I was over there picking up some material from him uh, for you know, the research on you he gave me some past issues of catalogues. and. I really just wanted to run in and run out that day, but made me come upstairs and spend two hours showing me these pictures. Well, I well, I felt like, you know, I've got to do this to be
1: polite, but I, I didn't know what to say. No, you ought to see, Nathan? I mean, Nathan, you know, was there. It's just fascinating how the history gets distorted. That's no, what I'm pointing
0: out. But the point I'm saying is I really didn't want to go through those pictures, because I really didn't want well, to... Well,
1: but you it. really should, you see. Sure, you should see him. At
0: the same time, I
1: didn't. Well, that's all right. But, I mean, at some point... If you're, you know, going to be aware of what's going on and somebody was there in a place like that, they did look at his pictures, you know, shut up and, and uh, decide for yourself what you think of it. Uh, okay, so Nathan was there and uh, he just did what we did. Uh, I did other things. We used to get films and I saw, for instance, Thunder Over Mexico at least 40 times, for checking it myself. I was very excited about the Doug and Eisenstein, the whole Russian thing, and this was an opportunity we used to get them. And I think they came from Tom Brandon, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and Molly was very excited about film, and uh, used to look. At least I used to look at black, white, and gray, and uh, I actually saw some of his movies, which have since seen to have disappeared. Lobsters. On um, lobsters and on the London Zoo and stuff like that. There.
2: Uh, well, a, a real the basic question or a basic question here is um, what was what was the course of instruction like?
1: Well, that again, I
2: think is kind of marked out in the catalogs, you know. Well, what was it like from your your experience from my
1: standpoint? Uh, I have never been gifted in a manual way, and have had no ambitions in that way. Uh, and that may have been a trauma I suffered when I was in about the sixth grade. Uh, some lady, uh, had me some teacher.
2: Uh, I know her
1: name, Gertrude Van Lope Jones.
2: <laughs> oh, Gertrude
1: Van, Van Lope Jones. 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 Yeah. And uh, we'll just spell that phonetically and let it go. <laughs> Uh, she had me, she had us and you know, insisted on drawing some realistic flowers, tulips. Well, I can't draw and I've known it, you know, I couldn't write either, you know. It was very difficult for me to write. Mm-hmm. Mainly, I don't know, I have a lot of patience, it isn't that. But there's some things I don't care about spending my time on. It's like. You know, we're talking about spelling and my reading. The reason I can't spell is because I've never seen any words.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. I mean, I was interested in reading, you see, and read very
2: rapidly, in batch processing, as it were. I read sentences or
1: down. Mm -hmm. I never see words. To this day, you know, I don't...
2: And you had a similar interest in drawing tulips.
1: (laughs) Well, I had no
2: interest in drawing tulips,
1: you know. so anyway, I, she she was rather
2: mean to me. I think about that. Could be forced the problem. Yeah, forced the issue, and we got marks for those things. And I, I got a D or something. Mm-hmm. I was very annoyed. <laughs> yeah. Why don't we just take a second? Let me let me do this. thing was he was drawing one day in class, you know, he hated to be regimented, he was really a very bad student, always, yes. and he was sitting in class just drawing some very quietly by himself, and the teacher came and sort of grabbed it away from him and held up the class and ridiculed him and made him sit in the corner, and he really, uh, he really ve- remembers that very distinct and sort of has never forgiven her, because it really sort of killed uh, his interest in drawing, you know.
1: Well, you'll find with photographers, there are a lot of them that are, at one point were interested in drawing and for some reason got frustrated by it and became photographers. I think that's what
2: Heineken, for instance, I don't know. Well, don't of know course, Heineken you. did a whole undergraduate and graduate degree in the fine arts before he ever did photography. I know that. Why didn't he continue? Why did he go to photography? Wow. Well, you know, it's so really interesting.
1: But there are photographers, Steichen, for instance, see, was a frustrated yeah. painter. classic example yeah,
2: yeah, I guess it is a pattern, I've... I mean, no, it seems Not Stevens! Starts... seem to be two people. starts out with the machine being the answer. Yeah, I
1: start out like Stevens, I'm nuts about machines. Mm-hmm. Steichen is nuts about whisper. Right. <laughs> And it shows, yeah. Yeah, well it did. Yeah. You know, all of his early work were very, very diluted with Whistlerian impressionism. Yeah. And it isn't really until
2: 1980, you know, the war years when he really starts
1: working with photography and the process, a machine process, that Steichen like becomes a photographer.
2: And then he becomes really a commercial photography, he goes really into Absolutely. all the way across and there he is over there.
1: Yeah, but then the interesting thing is his commercial photography is more artistic
2: than his artistic photography. <laughs> <guitar, laughs> right. Which is very kitsch. Okay, well the question then, what we were getting towards was uh, was the course of instruction. Yeah. And what you were required, I take it then, to draw and to do certain kinds of things that... Oh yeah, I took everything that everybody
1: else took. With uh, I'll try and recollect some of it, I won't be able to well, just. First of all, in the foundation course you made a, uh, a uh, hand sculpture, which was to take something and carve it and finish it off so it felt very pleasant to your hand to hold it. Really a sensuous object. And some of them were very beautiful. And you can see some in all Holy's book. And in the first book, The New Vision, I think there is one of my things in one of the illustrations on I'll a second shelf or something. Uh, actually, you know, we barely should be talking about this, excepting from my standpoint, of what I got, because yeah. it's in Molly's. Right, yes. Yeah. Uh, but as I recall, you see, in the foundation, that was the first course, then we did a, a, a scale of qualities, like touched, as rough, smooth, sandpaper, fur, whatnot. Uh, some kind of gradated, graded control of, of uh, sensual qualities. Now, Needing also, remember, did a really marvelous one where he took and made a blower with a number, of like a pipe organ, sort of, and he put different kinds of smells in it, and then you played it, or made a chord, or whatever, and mixed it, you know, or picked one, or so on. And I think later on that was actually, I don't know, maybe this is my fantasy, that was used by perfume company, or they tried to sell it to a perfume company, Anyway, it was that kind of thinking, and there are many examples of it had to be both touch and uh, many other things, visual, and at one point later, Moholy brought in blind people and had them feel and record the reactions to these things, which is very was fascinating because you then got a different perspective on what touch meant or feel. Yeah. Or, you know, and that kind of thing, you see, is essentially the, the uh, basis of the Bauhaus education at its purest. It was to go back to the original nature of materials, to go back to the original capabilities of machines and their possibilities, without regard particularly to history at this point, even though the Bauhaus itself had a very direct historical reaction to the arts and crafts movement that existed in Germany, you know, at the time. was formed, it had become stultified, you know, and traditional. The same kind of argument is really going on at the Institute of Design now, and many other schools. What they think of as going back to values, in many cases going back to stultified older things that many conservative teachers feel comfortable with. They don't feel comfortable with a lot of the new ideas and concepts. Uh, and it frequently gets confused because you find that the real carriers of culture are frequently older people, mm-hmm. not the younger people that you'd normally expect. Mm-hmm. Even though they, you know, in the main, that's what they are. You yeah, know, well, I mean, it's so really... a breakthrough because the younger people have nothing to lose, you know, in all the game, whereas the older people have a great deal to lose if they get in these battles. Mm-hmm. You know, they get fired or get mm-hmm. uh, ostracized. Anyway, uh, there was the hand sculpture, then there was this, you know, graded series of touch things. And uh, the first thing, for instance, in mechanical drawing, somewhere along the line we did all kinds of drawings with using mechanical tools, and then I remember we did a buyer type face, namely every kind of thing that you could make, an alphabet that you could make just using the compass and the triangle. which is what we today mainly call Helvetica, Sans Serif. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, Herbert Bayer, as a student, I think, in Louse, sort of invented this problem, or I don't know its history. And you have to remember, all these problems were invented problems, mm-hmm. and that continued. Uh, in sculpture, with uh, with Art Capenko, he was funny as hell. He was co- quite. T- Sure, of what he was doing he had a long history of, you know, being a he was a cubist in Paris and so on. Spoke broken English. Was a good cook, and heavy hard drinker. I used to go over to his house, and uh, uh, he grunted a lot or put his finger on clay a lot. It was mainly uh, most of the things were done in clay, but some were done wood or. Mm-hmm. Uh, Calvin Albert was already quite advanced,
2: and then there was another. But... I have a question about him. Um, was he particularly interested, or would you know what was his interest in photography? Was there any Mark Benko? Yeah. None. 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 Yeah. He he was purely concerned with what, like Sculptor. he was doing. Store. That's exactly how he said it. door. That was it. Then huh? well, women. Well. <laughs>
1: Hmm.
0: Did Nathan have a good rapport with him? Because That's what Nathan touts, that he had this wonderful rapport with him. Who
1: didn't Nathan have good rapport with, according to Nathan? Well, what do you think? What is your take on that? <laughs> no. I mean, I think there were other people who had much better rapport than Nathan. A guy named the sculptor named Hare, I believe. And Calvin Albert were really sculptors. Nathan was not... A,
2: not David Hare?
1: No, no. Uh, some guy who's still around here, but not Hare. I think. Uh, maybe so, but I wouldn't know. I, I never noticed that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nathan was unctuous to everybody. Uh, that's why he was really quite cut off from people that asked Nathan who his friends were. I mean, he didn't have any friends, particularly, that I know of. There was a guy, yeah, another student was named Myron Cosman, and maybe Myron was a little friendly with Nathan. I can't think of the names of some of these. Well, they just don't pop in my mind. There's a couple of very nice women there. That stuff should be in the archives.
2: Yeah, that, that we don't need to yeah. you know, belabor here. but. My, my question in terms of the instruction That's what I was, gonna was, say there. was um, you know, how did photography fit into that? And how did you relate to Oh, whatever? and then
1: the, there was the photography scene. It was primarily
2: taught by would
1: Moli interfered, I, say, I use the word, quotes, interfered in everything. Uh-huh. He interjected himself into every one of the workshops. Uh, and certainly photography was one of his major interests. And Henry Owens was the, the lab man. Uh,
2: the problems there were first the photogram. Now, how was that problem given? I mean, was what was the objective, or was there one, or was it simply to experiment with it and see what you could do? Yeah. And uh, then, as
1: I recall, and I, I do have some negatives that I shot. Which are historical rarities. The Bauhaus archives which so far; I might deal with them. They haven't their letters. Cumberland, you mean? Yeah. You know? See, and that's where it's going to get all screwed up because Nathan has all this time. He's, you know, they've already printed a portfolio of his pictures. You know, mm. Mm. and Lloyd Engelbrecht, the, you know, had it kind of straight. I think he'll ultimately get skewed because. Uh, this would be important to him. Uh, anyway, I do have some negatives. They concerned themselves with photographing, the problems was photographic texture. And I remember I brought along the contacts and uh, there was no equipment. It was hopeless there. There never was any equipment there until I started fighting for it, finally got some in the late 40s. But I have brought on four by five and mainly gives the contacts to do the problems with. And we did light studies, and that's where Nathan's things came from. These were assigned problems. Well, Nathan claims to have invited the light box. That's his great contribution to the history of the uh, If you look at Moholy's pictures, the little fences and the cast shadow and broken light, what Nathan did was make that controllable. I mean, it was uh, a big uh, post-toasties or Wheaties box. You could poke holes in it and string things. And a number of people did it, actually.
2: <laughs> I'm just laughing at the sort of deflating of it by saying it's a post-toasties. I know. <laughs> it's a nice... It <laughs> was. <Well, that's... laughs> it's nice. Uh, and
1: so he laid things out, you know, little pieces of something on it, and lit it through the little holes with a couple of lights. And they were rather attractive. We also did some work on montages, you know, combining things. Uh, But that was hardly news to me
2: either. It was hardly news in the history of photography, I mean, really. Well, it was in America. I mean, if you look back, you only find, you know, you find a couple examples
1: of Steichen, you know, advanced child's head, O'Neill plays in the woman's fit face, or figure, and the multiple exposures of work on the British. The idea of montage was not very much America, the way it was in Europe. Uh, the, the only real body of work that used montage was Will
2: Connors. That was a bit later though. It's about that 43 was or 47. Right, 45.
1: I mention that because that's how long it really took to get into this one example of a sustained work.
2: Yeah, that was the first name that popped in my head, but yeah. that, that was later. Right. So uh, it was the instruction was very
1: quiet. The classes were very small. Um, I just thought of another name. Uh, a good friend of mine, a guy named. You can ask Jules, because really,
2: he moved to Detroit, I think his name was Palachek. Palachek? Yeah, I think that's... Now, hmm, and he later knew Jules in Detroit? I think so. He became a draftsman
1: for an architectural firm there. There was also a girl that I went with for a while in Detroit, but... Who married somebody in New York by the name of Polachek, that's why I'm, I'm confused. Yeah. Yeah. Jean Polachek, Her father was possibly prosecuting attorney of Wayne County
2: or something. Yeah, I probably will, will try and go speak to Jules in, in January.
0: Were you in classes every day? Oh no.
2: No, no,
1: I was too busy <laughs> for that kind of stuff. Oh, what was like, expected of you as a student? One class. Oh, are you talking about the bot? Yeah, yes, yes. Oh, and yes, never anything else. I mean, I was at school all day, all night, all everything, every night, practically, excepting when I drove this lady secretary home or some place, or on occasion went down to Central Camera to get some supplies. Yeah, or went to the Art Institute. No, we didn't. A small group of maybe 30 people just stuck around the school, talked, interacted. It was like an island in the city of Chicago. It was like the Plato's Gymnasium almost, it sounds like. It, just, there it was. Everybody was doing, their painting, they were
2: doing sculpture. Uh, not so much photography. Certainly. Did you do dark, where did you do darkroom work? Well, I had this little darkroom. Anywhere you lived? No, no. A- at the at school? At
1: school. I just lived right next to school, and it was open all the time. I mean, I remember in one thunderstorm, lightning flashing. I'm playing thunder over Mexico, and then I was with a girl or something. We're all excited. I'd seen it thirty times before, but never under the conditions of lightning flashing you know I and mean? everything. <laughs> there weren't many books we used frequently. Capuch would bring in some books. Our guests are Maholi, and if necessary, people borrowed some of Maholi's camera, a camera. Mm-hmm. Maholi, I recall, had some kind of. English. Take your shirt off if you like, huh? It's your house. Don't get fresh freshen me, young man. <laughs> just worry about me, right? Okay. you want your jacket on? No, I'm right.
2: <laughs> What's the question? Well, the discussion essentially was... Uh, well, let me go back to another thing yeah. here. Um, you had a scholarship. Does that mean that it didn't cost you anything to attend? Or did that mean that you actually received money? No, just... What did you live on? Savings? Driving this car around picking <laughs> up passengers and taking jitneying people. That's them. that's actually how you supported yourself? Yeah.
0: Being a chauffeur type of yeah. a
2: jitney, yeah. You wanna go downtown? Okay, I'll take you downtown
1: for fifty cents or something. <laughs> Gas was much cheaper then.
2: Sure. And I You must have had something safe, no? A little. Very little.
0: Were you we getting any kind of support from home? Were things any better then? I
2: never got
1: any support from home. Let's settle
2: that. What did your parents think of it? Of you going there? I mean, did, did oh, my
1: mother again thought I was okay. My father thought I was a little nuts. Did
0: he just think you were nuts, or did he try to convince you not to do this? Or well, he thought I should. I had a thing
2: going, you know, almost a business then in Detroit. Yeah, in Detroit, and uh, it was
1: hard to start something like that. It takes a long time to get a client. And I had some, so he didn't, was not enthused about going. Uh, I was contributing to the family's income then. Mm-hmm. Not much, I don't remember, but I was sort of paying for my board and room. I don't know, not what it cost or anything, but maybe 10 bucks a week or something like that. can't remember. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, no great sum. Mm-hmm. But something that was worth it. Was it was a contribution. This was not me. Everybody was doing it. I mean, it was like having parties. People didn't have parties that they gave. Everybody brought a bottle or some beer or a salami and you uh, had a party. And with the exception, you know, again, I have some rich friends
2: and they gave a party. So we all loved it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, back, back to the actual the the work you were doing at the at the new Bauhaus, um, you described some of the photo problems and so on. Okay, saver, saver, trip. Okay, saver, trip. Uh, the typography of New boss. Let me ask this: um, What was there any way in which the work that you and the other students did was specifically evaluated? You know, there were. I assume there were no grades, what we would call grades today, or were there?
1: an interesting question. Well, there was some kind of evaluation, uh, and there was kind of a joke about my drawings. For instance, people would bid, you know, six cents for one of my drawings. It was prim- they were primitive. Uh, on the other hand, they wanted to pay me a dollar you know, for some of my photographs. And I actually sold a lot of portraits to the students hmm. of people working. I have some pictures of Arkepenko, incidentally, hmm. working, I think. They're on film, they're so tightly curled, I've tried, I've tried several times to uncurl them, I don't know how to do it. But hmm. There must be some way that doesn't knows that, Is it nitrate roll film yeah, or something? It's like, they're like springs. Hmm. Uh, anyway, there was that, and uh, there was mainly a lot of discussion by the
2: instructor, Kepesh Maholi would do critique, sort of. So uh, what I hear you saying is that there was no formal system evaluation, but you had a lot of opportunities to understand how you were doing.
1: Well, very importantly,
2: there was uh, you know,
1: final shows where you brought all your stuff together and everything was looked at: the foundation course work, the photography work, the, the mechanical drawing, uh, you know, your instrument, your musical instrument you made. It was all brought together. So the idea was to look at a whole, and that was one of the great contributions. You see, somebody might be marvelous uh, draftsman mm-hmm. and a terrible photographer. Somebody might be a terrible draftsman and a good photographer. Somebody mm-hmm. might you know, do layouts, magnificent layouts, and not be a good photographer, you know, or maybe not even a good draftsman, but they had an eye for laying things out. Uh, I take that was the first side of this thing.
0: Were the students pretty open to one another? Sergeant? Side
1: to uh, uh, what they it? 31st October 31st 1977
0: students Were students rather open to one another as far as voicing criticism. They, were
1: developed, they developed There was so it was like like any school it was very school. intense and that's again what I'm talking tell, I'm trying to tell you about Nathan Nathan was outside the real mainstream of that school in my view mm-hmm. um, which may have driven you know a little bit into the arms of the faculty a little bit, see, because a lot of these- me, into the arms of- The faculty. Ah. Huh. See, a lot of these people that I'm talking about, they're the ones that caused the split of the school. Tony Smith and the principal and the- Tony. People who you were, were yeah. your friends. Well, no, I, I was friendly with all. I was really excited about these guys that could paint and had been friends of Leger and that kind of thing. And uh, Tony Smith was a very interesting, hard-working guy. Fritz Bultmann had been to Germany and studied. That was part of the problem. He thought he knew what the Bauhaus was. Well, obviously everybody's idea of the Bauhaus was different, including Moholy's, you know, and Kempich's. So they really attacked Moholy very violently, and finally through the machinations of this woman secretary, the financial support dropped out.
2: Now who? Wait, who is this secretary? What's her name? Is this? Uh, it's in the catalog and. Funny the,
1: last name. Of the... It's in Moholy's. Uh, Sybil's book, uh, maybe I, maybe I totality. It. Let's see, was this Molly? No, Molly Thwaites is very don't, w- wonderful. Don't, don't waste layered. time
0: now because I have all that stuff at home. I can show you. Nathan has yeah, given well, me is all a, that material. This is
1: right? a, I can't remember. That's easily recovered. You, you know, know her name, often? Well,
0: no, but I have it. I have all those catalogs for the last the first yeah. ten years, and I could let. No, like, well, I
1: watched all this, and I was so eager to learn, and really didn't. I uh, wasn't involved in these fights, <sighs> that is, wholly fascinated me and so Kepesh was extremely nice. These guys were very rough on them. they were pitched fighting insulting battles, you see. Tony Smith and those people. Yeah, and then Braden Dix sided with them, as did uh, Ark Benko. So it was a real, you know, real vicious fighting until it finally... At the end of that semester, it just blew up. So
2: you were, to the extent that anyone was, kind of neutral in that. Yeah, I'm
1: sort of neutral in the thing. I mean, I was
2: just so excited about all
1: these things, including so- the fight. He's soaking <laughs> it all in. It didn't seem to me that. Uh... And incidentally, the student body you see was much older than student bodies normally are. These people, many of them were. Well, I had a degree, you know. And, as I say, about half of them had degrees or experience, so they ranged, half of them, three quarters of them probably ranged from 24 to 35, and maybe one quarter, a very small percentage, came from high school, you know, were naïve. That's a different kind of student body. It was more like a sort of a graduate uh, Mm -hmm. level. Well, it's not
2: quite it. Well, you, it you, was you a get great a great mixture of people who had experience but no
1: academic.
2: You, you get some of that mix in, in art schools as opposed to universities today, still, right. still.
0: Right. But I mean, it's interesting that what you say about that because, well, when David was at the ID, that whole concept was still there. Oh, and the absolutely. I kept had. that. I That's just, right. I encourage
1: that. I, to this day, see, will take somebody who shows some promise. Uh, you know, throw their pictures or something, disregard their academic record. I mean, I would bet my beliefs if they, you know, have some kind of particular uh, kind of bent. For instance, there's a woman there now who's never done any photography. Well, I took her because she sounded like she was really excited about it, bright, had art education background. So what the hell? I I can teach. See, the thing we can teach fastest, or anybody, is technique. That's the least of my concerns. And that's what other schools put the main emphasis on, whereas my emphasis has always been that students teach students. But a great measure of your education is your interaction with your peers. Well, that happened at the New Bobs, for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I have no doubt that Kepish learned a great deal from the students. You know, I don't think Gargapenko learned anything, you know, or Dick. I think Noly probably learned something. But he really wasn't mystery mull, He was.
0: Do the students and faculty uh, interact a lot outside of classes? I mean, were you really a sense of community, uh, spending a lot of time with one another, mulling over things?
1: Not the way you put it. No, there was a. They were always available to to the student body. It was a very small student body. Say again, about half would. Lived around the school, and uh, Maholi had an apartment up here in an apartment that's since been torn down near Diversity. Um, that was not too convenient, but people did go to dinner there on occasion. Kepish, I've forgotten where he lived, but I remember we would I would go with Kepish and sit along the lake with Juliet, Juliet, and uh, have a picnic. I mean, on a warm spring day, and just talk. And, uh, I don't particularly remember going to his house, you see. But the interaction among the students was constant and clicky. Mm-hmm. I just thought of the name of another student there, James Allen Hopkins Conrad from Lockport, Indiana. He was probably gay, he had been an interior decorator had a wonderful sense of humor, became very friendly with well, him. I visited his home where his family lived in La and which is an isolated, you know, about to be rediscovered area down in Indiana. And, uh, I mean, he had lots of talents of drawing and color, and uh, I don't think he was involved in any of these battles at all. Uh, I don't think Barton was or, or. Needringhouse stayed on He and became an instructor in the foundation. Um, Keppish, I guess, left about 1940 and when I, I have no experience of this, you know what happened afterwards uh, when Kepish and Bob Wolf were there, but essentially Bob Wolf, you know, was a very strong teacher in color, drawing and painting, as was Keppish. And then they went to uh, Brooklyn, where uh, I guess kept a state until MIT hired them. Bob Wolf, I think, became dean
2: of the art department or whatever Mm -hmm. at Brooklyn. Did did you think um, that you might stay there longer than one term when you went? When I went, yeah. Oh, this all happened. That was all. Shocking to me in a way. I was sure, you know, I was kind of naive. I mean, you say you, you were shocked when it broke down. You mean at the end? Well, all these battles, I, I was quite
1: shocked at the attacks on the Holy.
2: Because I.